So tonight I will speak about vulnerability and invulnerability. I'll try to speak a little bit about what's happening for, for us here and trying to include that in the vaster context of the, the Buddhist past so we understand a little bit where the different elements uh, fit in. if I can find a way to make them fit together. In a sense, vulnerability is the only way to openness. There is no possibility of openness without vulnerability. And an, open, an openness that will not go through vulnerability will be just a dream of openness, will be a a concept, an image, an illusion of openness will not be true openness. So we see, in a sense, the cost of openness. Uh, we may understand the value, it may be appealing to speak about openness, and then we wish, would like to be open, yet maybe being reluctant to explore vulnerability. We don't want to pay the cost. I heard a Tibetan master saying that a good master reveals the limit of the student. A good master reveals the limit, shortcoming of the student. And I imagine a good master would also support the student in the meeting of the limits. Not only just meeting the limits, and in a sense, I believe Matagonza is a good master. Because one may experience also at time that we are meeting our limits when we come here. Maybe not so clear why we come to this place, which is very charming, with a very beautiful forest. And um, suddenly we go, especially at the beginning, through phases where we don't feel so much at ease, where in a sense we start to, to realize um, the resistance we may have. Depend on phases, and sometimes I've experienced that very much coming into the matter of meeting so much negativity within myself to start with. <coughs> and as I said the other day, it's working. Sometimes I felt the, the place, I don't want to make something of the Mataganda, mystical about it, but feeling in the place here suddenly that something was working in me, I, I feel unattended, unsettled, something working in my chest, in my heart, as if something I was going through. Through something, and was, that was very unpleasing, difficult. I was wondering, wh why did I come here? So many times I came here for some rituals, and the first day, in the first evening, I wonder why did I come here, you know, for that, and uh, resenting sometimes the formal aspect of the place, the very formal, not feeling at ease, wondering why, why should I come so far for that. Even when I came this time in the airplane, I was wondering, why do I go to Brazil? I, I bring all those people here, and I'm even not sure that that I can make something happen there, you know. I cannot trust the forest because it's, you know, 
some kind of easy way. So I was wondering, you know, why, why, why do I organize uh, coming up to teach with Patricia this retreat? But why? Feeling, feeling very much resistant. All those poor people trusting us and we bring them in this Mataganda suddenly and we're even not sure that something will happen. You know? <laughs> <coughs> and I should say, I very rarely feel negativity like that. If I go to the States to teach in a retreat, I don't feel the negativity, the resistance like I feel here or in France or other places. But here, I immediately feel that. So for us coming here, it may be a different experience for different people, but of course there is a tiredness of the, of the traveling, which is an aspect. There is a meeting of a group. We know, many people know each other. Still, it's still something special. We meet a group and some people don't know many other. There is something unsettling with that which is normal. And then there's some kind of, of course, organization. We don't exactly know what, what's happening. So there may be some feeling of unsettling when we come here. And again, as I said, maybe the energy of the place here does not, if we're open to it, does not leave us in peace unless we adjust to the energy of the place. It's like we, we feel we are, we are not adjust, therefore it's, it's, it's uh, difficult. It's, uh, the energy is uh, painful because we are not vibrating to the vibration of the place here. So we are out of vibration. I don't know which language, language to use. Or we may just not feel anything. We may close in, you know. Mm-hmm. Or look at the flower, the butterfly, they are beautiful, so that's fine. Or, or, or there is some exotic things going on, so it may keep us our mind busy also. That may be a way not to be challenged by what the place requires from us. So in a sense, not wanting to explore vulnerability. One close in. Or close in, it's one way, but we can use many strategies for that doesn't mean that one will be so much drawn in, inward, you know, all the day. But on the contrary, one can be drawn out outside, too much outside. And in this sense, again, I don't want to make some kind of big thing about the place, but it is because of the power of the place or the kindness of the place that it does not leave us in peace. Like a good master, challenging us. We go to a place which is less challenging, so we feel okay, that's fine, there is less challenge. Therefore, we are not meeting our limits. Therefore, we are not exploring those limits and we are not exploring the possibility of vulnerability. And we don't try, of course, with Patricia to hide this um, disquietening of the place. 
wondering every day, is everybody okay? And I hope, that, what about the energy? And you feel okay, you feel safe, that would be, of course, uh, that would be destroying, destroying the work of the good master by trying to uh, take away this challenge that is brought to us in these places. So the work that we're doing here depends very much on how much we're willing to feel this at time. Now, if you feel fine, great, you don't need to worry about it. Well, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Don't worry about that. But uh, I think still the work that we're doing, doing here depends on our willingness to enter this aspect of being unsettled at time. It's not, not unsettled because it's a strange tradition. We saw entities, which is strange. It's, uh, it's true, it's difficult to make meaning out of that, and that's, that's maybe a bit uh, scary for some people. That's not exactly, that's not really the problem. The problem is the place working on us. That is something different. That's something very different. Because we can very easily take the channeling of spirit and, and put it in one place and say, that, okay, that's, that's one aspect of what we meet here. That's not the essential aspect of what we're meeting here. The essential aspect is that we're meeting ourselves, that why we come here. I remember um, an account that Eugenio Baba is doing, uh, is making in one book about... Um, Sislak, this great actor, this actor that uh, played in the Mahabharata of Peter Brook, he's the, the blind uh, king. There. He's a very great actor. And he's, Eugenio Baba was working with him in Poland for a few years, and two years later, Eugenio Baba came, um, Sislak came, I think, with Grotowski to, to uh, Oslo, where Eugenio Baba was working. And he described the vision that suddenly he had of this old friend, this actor. She's like coming after two years. And the description is very touching. Because he's making it short. He said that he, he saw suddenly a man before in, in, in Poland. He said it was, it was like he had a too big body that he could not really inhabit and was very mental. So it was always kind of a dragging his body around or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then two years later, I imagine two years of much of work with Grotowski. Mm-hmm. Two years later, he comes to, to Oslo and he describes a man who had found his destiny, said his destiny, his wholeness, and his vulnerability. It's like all the cells of his body were incandescent. So, so much the power of the presence of uh, Sislak. But it's interesting, he's describing that he found his vulnerability. And knowing a little bit, having read a little bit about the work that he was doing, we understand very much what vulnerability would mean, and hopefully we don't need to go so far. Because <laughs> I think what, what some of those actors were able to go through, I mean, it's quite amazing. <coughs> so we won't be required to go so far, but there's some amount of vulnerability that we can explore. So the way... In a sense, we, 
we may come to a spiritual path, spiritual tradition, in order to avoid to be vulnerable. So we come to a spiritual path because we are aiming at something beautiful, something light, something sure, the truth, uh, the perfection, uh, luminosity. So all those things that we, we are uh, aspiring to, we want that, all those beautiful things. Certainty as a way to avoid what vulnerability means, means meeting within ourselves uncertainty, meeting within ourselves lies, uh, jealousy, envy, all that richness that we have. So we don't want to meet that. That vulnerability means to meet. Therefore, we engage into a spiritual path. Uh, the best way not to meet that. So what we are aiming at is something beautiful, again, luminous, vast, light, kind, and uh, certain. And even we may, we may be willing to explore the unknown, but only in order to know it. So it's a way to, to, to play. We say we are, we are ready to explore. We like to explore the unknown because we want to know the unknown that other people do not know, that the tradition is revealing. But what we are looking for is knowing, not the unknown, not the unsettling aspect of not knowing. So in this sense, maybe many of us in a spiritual path come with a motivation that is exactly the contrary to what is required in a spiritual path which is fine, it's not a problem with that. We, we come with this uh, search for perfection, luminosity, and all those qualities. And then as we enter the past, we start maybe to realize that was a way to hide, that we were looking for a hiding place, not a place to reveal ourselves. And now if we really want to, go deep into a spiritual path, we understand that we have to drop all those, or clinging to all those aspects of perfection in order to open ourselves to the other aspect of that which is um, not clear, that which is uh, confused, that which is dark, that which we don't know, but willing to stay in a place of not knowing, not immediately to bring concept of that, and not suddenly clinging to a way <coughs> to deal with that un unknowing. <coughs> and there is very much in this knowing unknowing. Uh, the knowing is always a way to grasp. There is only one way to know, is by grasping. So this is very much about that in the, in the way of avoiding vulnerability. We cultivate a very uh, strong tradition or strategy of grasping. And that's not to make, to criticize of 
people who are entering a spiritual path is just let's be aware of what is our motivation why we're entering that to understand and maybe to see what is needed because I know the sincerity of all of us is, a, is not to be questioned. But if we are looking for the wrong thing, then the wrong thing, then it's very important we start to realize it because we may spend our life looking for light and perfection, believing that is the path, the spiritual path, spiritual path leading to freedom, where it only leads to more bondage. It's a bit more pretentious bondage and sophisticated <laughs> bondage, but it's still bondage. It's still bondage. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, our practice is to reveal ourselves, to unveil ourselves. Not necessarily to unveil ourselves to others, but to ourselves. And we spend most of our life hiding ourselves to ourselves. So there is, of course, something very important there we spend our life hiding ourselves to ourselves. Living a life of lies. Trying to hide ourselves from ourselves. And these lies that we are cultivating then, that is a bondage. So we, we use many strategies to avoid meeting ourselves. As I said, we, we may be concerned with what's happening outside, with the weather, with whatever. It's a way of reaching out. That is a way to avoid meeting oneself. But we may also use the formal aspect of a tradition in order to avoid oneself. When the form becomes more important than the spirit of a tradition, then this is death, and that is a way to avoid meeting oneself. Grodrovsky said that in a very nice way. He said the routine is the ceremony of our own funeral. No doubt about it, so he's really clear, I mean, he is expressing that in a very strong way. And I think we, in different religions we can feel that as soon as we encounter people who are so much concerned with the form, we feel something is dead there. Something is dead. Mm -hmm. People fighting against words, what they say in the sutras, for example. Mm -hmm. What did really the Buddha say? You know? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> and... and uh, And that's missing the point. What was the spirit in what he was saying? What is, what, why, why were they speaking about that in order to, to be free? Not in order that a tradition of text would be well preserved and we know what those words mean. So uh, 
we can see the routine of the formal aspect of a tradition can uh, really be like uh, a funeral ceremony. Mm-hmm. Of course, of our own days. So I think vulnerability is such an important aspect of the practice. And maybe it's not very often expressed. We, we find that in the ancient tradition, they were stressing different aspects, but in the modern time, we maybe feel more, <coughs> more concerned, or we like to express things in, in, in this way. Uh, I have an example of a, a Zen story that may show the difference, uh, which I have told already a few times, but it, I want to illustrate something here. Uh, it is this uh, shogun <coughs> is sending the tea ceremony master to Kyoto to meet another shogun. But as the road are not safe, so he is um, giving his outfit of samurai to the tea master ceremony. He said, if you wear those, you will not be harmed because people will be scared, so they will keep at a distance from you. So he thinks that will protect him to be dressed as a samurai, but he's not a samurai. So this tea ceremony master goes to Kyoto when on the way, and imagine on a small bridge, he suddenly uh, hurt another samurai, a true samurai. So the, the true samurai immediately draws his sword and is ready for what should happen when two samurai meet in two narrow paths. So, uh, <laughs> you know. so I was ready, ready for uh, a challenge, for the fight. And then the tea ceremony master said, well, I'm, I'm very sorry, I'm not a true samurai, so you can kill me, but I will not fight. And the other samurai said, no, you, you need to fight. I cannot kill somebody who's not fighting. But as you are wearing the outfit of a, of a samurai, you need to come back this evening and we'll fight. So now the poor tea ceremony master, he has only uh, you know, had one day to become a great samurai in order to, to face this uh, great samurai. So he goes to the uh, martial uh, master of the, of the place nearby in the small village or a small town, and he tells his story. He said, well, now, tonight I need to, to meet. At the end of the day, I need to meet this samurai, and I will certainly be killed. So the, the, the master there, or the martial art, he said, well, so what are you do in life? He said, well, I am a tea ceremony master. He said, well, so can you show me what you do? So this tea ceremony master said, well, the last one I may make one, so I was well doing it very well. So, of course, he put all his skills, certainly a great master, and he makes this tea ceremony in a beautiful way, being fully present, fully in what he's doing. So the master of martial art sees that and says, well, then you will hold the sword exactly as you were holding the teapot. Mm. So this kind of of, um, clarity, and everything will be fine. So at the end of the day, it goes to the field where they they need to meet, and uh, they draw the sword, and the tea ceremony master holds it very, very, with a lot of of presence and awareness. And then the, the other... Samurai said, I'm very sorry, and draw his sword in and said, well, I'm not going to fight with such a, a samurai, because you hold that, there is no way I can hurt you, the, the way you are holding your sword. So that may show the quality of presence, awareness, how that may protect oneself. But here we're not speaking about vulnerability. 
we in the Japanese tradition of samurai. <laughs> I'm not speaking about vulnerability. And I think that's very interesting. Not that in the Japanese tradition they never speak about vulnerability. We can feel that sometimes in some haiku, for example, of Ryokan we find <coughs> sometimes. But still it's, it's very different. And there is something, this tea ceremony master, he had something to defend. Had something to defend. He did it very well, but he had something to defend. And that's not what we're exploring. We're exploring something slightly different in exploring vulnerability. Last spring, I think, I went to work with, uh, to meet with some uh, actor at the work center in, in Italy and to do a little bit of gesture of awareness. So there were actors from all over the world and rather young, young people, and they showed me their work, which I was very impressed. And uh, we did gesture of awareness for a few days, maybe I think three hours a day. And I was very, very impressed by their quality of receptivity. It seemed that they received the work in, in such, a, such a deep way. After one or two sessions, they really, I think, understood the way it was working. And, and they were able to really put themselves completely into the work. And I was wondering, why, why those people? They, they are young people, they have not too much experience. They have lot, done a lot of work in theatre, no doubt. But I was wondering why. I saw them working and I saw that in their way of working they were very vulnerable. They were working in, in, in their field and with each other in a completely open way. They were used not to hide, not to protect themselves. They had, they had this fantastic training uh, of vulnerability. And then when they came into the work of just of awareness they did not need to realize how much they were hiding or protecting themselves in order to stop this protection and then enter into the work. So I could say that the vulnerability was really the richness in, in the, the way they would come to the work I was proposing here. So we can see that vulnerability is a door to openness. And this openness allows us to meet ourselves in all the different aspects. To know oneself deeply. But in a sense, Vulnerability it is also an attitude of non-grasping, not holding to different aspects, while protection from vulnerability is grasping, grasping to this, to that, to the known, to know something, to know an experience through a concept. So all the work of avoiding to be vulnerable is through grasping. And vulnerability in a deeper sense means not grasping. 
So we may believe vulnerability in a sense is caring because then we could get hurt. So that's why we protect ourselves so that we are not hurt. We, we protect ourselves uh, in order not to be hurt. If we we scare, we are scared or afraid of being vulnerable because then we may get hurt. But when we start to open to vulnerability and ungrasping, stopping to grasp, we slowly may realize that there is no one that can get hurt. That finally the need that we had to protect was not well founded because there was nobody that needed protection. So we, we gather all this energy and fear to avoid vulnerability in order not to be hurt. Finally we discover that this has no ground, this has no, there was no one that needed protection. <coughs> so in this sense, vulnerability, when it's carried all the way to its fullness, it leads to invulnerability, because there is nobody can be hurt there. What in the Buddhist tradition is called the deathless. Deathless. Uh So we fear the death of of someone very dear, which is ourselves. Therefore we protect ourselves and we are kept in in this uh, state of mm, closeness, holding, grasping. But when we are willing to challenge that, we found out that by this vulnerability, <coughs> being open to vulnerability, discovering the quality of not grasping, we discover that finally we are invulnerable. There is invulnerability. In a sense, the, the, lie, the lie of our life is to believe that there is someone to be protected there. And that we can experience in our work. I, I don't mean in an ultimate sense, I'm not speaking about awakening, becoming a Buddha. I'm speaking about sometimes when we, we are willing to open ourselves that we may experience this sense that there is nothing to protect because there is no, not really anyone there. I'll give you an example in my experience, very, very small experience, but which was striking for me. Patricia was giving a retreat in New Mexico and I participated there. I was very happy to participate in this retreat. And one, at the end of the day, I was doing a walking meditation and there was quite a strong storm. I mean, the, it was not raining, but there was a lot of wind, and since there is a lot of sand there, was very, the elements were very strong. But I was doing the walking uh, for some kind of reason. I was really into the walking, and I felt there was just a walking. There was really nobody walking there. And I felt that there was no... N- I could not be harmed or hurt or anything could happen, even if the storm would get stronger or something like that, because there was nobody walking there. 
the sense of vulnerability, and then <clears throat> there's no one there that can be hurt. Doesn't mean one becomes silly and then uh, take risks which are, which are unwise. It's not what it means here. It means that <clears throat> if we, our time goes through all, all the ways through this vulnerability, then we find that there is a freedom there. So as I said this morning, <clears throat> most of the time we go exactly in the wrong direction. To protect ourselves, we make ourselves more, more scared, anxious, and then we need to protect more and more. While if we were willing to go to vulnerability, we find that uh, finally we are invulnerable. We go in our spiritual path to become perfect. It's the wrong way. Now we accept our, our imperfection, and then we find out that those perfect imperfection is have no power to bind us, to bind us. And it's not about being perfect or imperfect. It's about being free or grasping or not grasping. So that that's the challenge for us because we take the value of secular life, so to speak. We take those values. And we bring them into our spiritual path. But those values do not work. It's like a money that doesn't work in a country that doesn't work. So we are using those values of secular life, of, of uh, better improvement, uh, protection. Those are very important in, 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 in the working place and in many places. This is quite important. But in spirituality, that does not work. We are looking at something or searching for something quite different. So if at time in, in, in this place uh, something seems to be working on you or you feel, you feel uncomfortable, unsettled, is something that... Uh, don't try to avoid it. Don't, don't believe it's, it's, a, it's a problem with you. you know. <coughs> maybe, uh, maybe it's not a place for me or something like that. It means that you are being touched and something is working in you, try to open yourself to that possibility, to be vulnerable to that experience. And if you open yourself to that experience, who knows, something may, the life may, may be revealed there. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.